You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Happy Wednesday. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay and benefits, and one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Joining us now, ESPN MLB insider Jeff Pass, and we'll start, of course, with Aaron Judge. We took another show off, and he hit 62. Uh, hit 61 when we were off, too, so I think we're the lucky charm. As long as we're not cutting into our show to play it for you, he's going to hit a home run. Can you put into context what this really means, and not based on you know the argument over whether he's the real home run king, but what you've seen this year in the context of this season. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> you doing that because the other thing is just such a tired act at this mm-hmm. point. And, um, I'll just get it out. Barry Bonds is a home run king. Go read my column at ESPN. Um, this year to me is actually the more interesting story because what we have to understand is the offensive environment in baseball hasn't entirely cratered this year, but run scoring is down by a quarter run a game, which is a pretty significant margin and power across baseball is down this year as well. And here's Aaron judge uh, putting up an OPS of over 1100 and an adjusted OPS of 211. And, and that 211 is compared to the average of 100, which means that uh, Aaron Judge has been like 111% better Mm. than the average player in baseball this year, which is a wild thing to think about, and which is what happens when you go out and hit 62 home runs and get on base 43% of the time and uh, do all of the things that he's done and making himself into not just a complete hitter, Sarah, but – a complete player, a guy who at six foot seven, 282 pounds can play a, a decent center field and a guy who's on the cusp of 20 stolen bases. He's just awesome. Uh, th- there's no other way to put it. This is one of the great offensive seasons in baseball history uh, in large part because of the home run prowess, but uh, in part as well, because of all those other things that he's capable of doing. So what do we attribute all of this greatness to? Like, what's happened that made him this good this year? Uh, I stayed healthy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a big part we, of we've it. Always, since, since we've always known that Aaron Judge is capable of these sorts of things. Remember, as a rookie, he hit 52 home runs. Um, every year, consistently, he is at the top of the exit velocity leaderboards, and The fact is, if you hit the ball hard, you tend to be a pretty good baseball player. Um, But he stayed on the field this year. And I I think a large part of that is the fact that at 30 years old now, he understood heading into free agency, he could not have another year working this large chunks of time. And so he trained differently, trained smarter, he trained better. And uh, his body has responded and has allowed him to get to this point where he has one of the great, if not the greatest walk year of all time and is going to cash in significantly higher than the $213.5 million that the Yankees offered him at the beginning of the season. Mm. Jeff Passan is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, am I wrong then for still thinking that Shohei should win MVP? 
No, I, I, I will never quibble with anybody who says he or she believes Shohei Otani should win MVP in any year in which Shohei Otani is a regular on the mound and at the plate because what he's doing is different than anything we've ever seen. Today, he became the first player in baseball history to qualify for the batting title and ERA title in the same season. He has been Mm. the best pitcher in baseball over the last four months, four months during which he's OPS 900 and hit 23 home runs. You know, I find myself when I'm talking about Shohei Otani saying to myself, well, that's ridiculous. Well, that's stupid. Well, that's not true. No, it's it's all true. And, you know, if I'm going to plug something else, I have a story up at ESPN.com today as well uh, about the, the 10 numbers that define Shohei Otani's season and and really who he is as a baseball player. And, and we rank them on a scale of 1 to 10 unicorns because – uh, that's what he is. He is, yeah. he is not just the unicorn of baseball. He is the unicorn of professional sports. He is so different than everybody else playing the game. It's almost like he's playing a different game. We're talking to ESPN Major League Baseball insider Jeff Passan. All right, so let's move on to the playoffs since we're talking to you right before the playoffs start uh, as much as we're talking about individual greatness, team greatness. Uh, as we get into the playoffs, who do you have the most and least confidence in? Um, well, I mean, I would have the most confidence, I assume, in the team I'm picking to win the World Series, right? Which is? Uh, that would be the Atlanta Braves. Oh, wow. Well, Interesting. Kind of a, in kind of a rope pick. They won last year, and they're honestly way better this year than they were last year. But I also acknowledge that a lot of what happens in October comes down to luck. It does, and... You know, you can sit here and parse through the numbers and the rosters and the strengths and the weaknesses all you want. You can't predict luck, and it takes a fair bit of that to go out and win a championship. But I think Atlanta is in the best position because uh, it's strong just about everywhere. Uh, It's got a fearsome lineup. It's got a deep pitching staff both in the rotation and in the bullpen. Uh, it catches the ball up the middle, you know, with Anthony Swanson having a, a career year, not just the plate, but he's been magnificent in the field. And Michael Harris Jr. in center field and Travis Darno behind the plate, um, you know, if they can get Ozzy uh, or, you know, whoever they end up with at second base, uh, they're going to be okay um, because they can catch the ball at third with Austin Riley and at first with Matt Olson. Like, there are – so many teams uh, that wish they had half the roster that the Braves do. And the scary part is they are locked up, almost all those position players, uh, for the next half decade. So this is not this is not going to be like a one-time thing. And uh, the fact that I'm picking them over the 110-win Dodgers or the 105-win Astros, um, I, I think it speaks to the level of talent that they have there and how much I think that playoff pedigree does matter. Jeff Pasta is with us talking baseball here on Spain and Fitz. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the Braves needed a, a final series against the Mets and to hold up uh, in that last series of the season to be able to make sure that they got the division win and didn't end up in a really precarious position in that wild card spot that will face the Dodgers. Oh. Um when you look at the top seeds, who is the ripest for an upset? 
not just the top one, but let's mm. say, you know, one twos. Hmm. Hey, probably the Yankees. Hmm. Little post judge letdown? No, I don't know if it's that as much as I just think that, you know, starting pitching has become less and less a thing in the postseason in recent years. Don't get me wrong. I, I think starting pitching is important, but starting pitching can, you know, mediocre starting pitching can be mitigated by a great bullpen. I don't think that the opposite is true because starting pitchers just don't go deep enough in games anymore. And so those last two or three innings become vital. And if you don't have a bullpen, then what do you have? It's my, you know, it's my concern with the Dodgers, even though they, they, you know, their numbers have been really good this year. I don't know who's pitching the ninth inning there. I certainly don't know who's doing it for the Yankees. And Aaron Boone over the last few days has gone to Jonathan Loizaga, Scott Efros in the late innings. And, and there are some guys uh, who could potentially wind up in that role. But I, you know, until I see it from the Yankees, uh, I'm just not going to, not going to believe that the, you know, the 52 and 18 team they were earlier this season, looking like they were going to smash all kinds of records. It wasn't a mirage. Um, but it's also, I don't think, a team uh, that is is so good that it's impervious this time of year. Passing awesome stuff as always. As we let you go very quickly, a reaction to what we saw from Stephen Vogt earlier today. His kids intro him. He hits a homer in his last game. Just a, what a walk-off, huh, from the career. Yeah, Stephen Vogt's the man, honestly. Uh, he's like uh, – he was he he really didn't play much for Atlanta last year, but I remember when I was reporting my World Series story, um, he was at the heart of so many conversations just because of the presence that he provides in the clubhouse. Yeah. And if you have if you have never seen Stephen Vogt motivational speeches, uh, <laughs> go on to YouTube. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think you could tell that by the reaction his teammates had to that being potentially his, his last at bat and the way he went out. Awesome stuff. Jeff, looking forward to having you back on once the playoffs get underway. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, guys. Awesome stuff as always with Jeff Passan. Coming up, we've got a trio of cheating scandals in the world of sports. We'll tell you about them next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You don't know it yet, but you're very interested in Irish dancing. Like I said, (laughs) just give us a second. You are going to be very interested in in Irish dancing in the same way that you maybe didn't believe yourself to be interested in chess until some uh, jewelry came into play. So <laughs> hang with us here. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get back into the mainstream stuff. But Fitz, cheating scandals are taking over fringe sports everywhere. And it began with the chess scandal. There is actually a full ESPN Daily podcast about said scandal. So you can listen in detail as Pablo Torre, as he always does, does a fantastic job running through how chess grandmaster and world champion Magnus Carlsen 
made one move, his opening move, and then resigned from play and walked off. And how that sent the entire chess community into a tizzy. He resigned in protest. He accused his opponent of cheating. And then it became something that uh, Reddit threads took over because of the accusations of how they cheated and which body parts were involved. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. Because that scandal, first of all, deepened into the Grandmaster likely cheating in over 100 online games. Mm. This, yeah, Hans Niemann, this American Grandmaster who cheated, in addition to the accusations uh, of of in-person cheating, that gets followed up by a phishing scandal. Now, how do you imagine someone cheats in a phishing competition? I mean, the, for, the the way that they cheated is actually the way that would make the most sense to me. Like, if I was going <laughs> to cheat in fishing, the, the way I would cheat was trying to create more weight in fish, right? So the fact that— Is uh, it always weight or is it length of fish? What's more important? Is it is it girth? Is it length? I think it's girth. It's it's okay. all—yeah, it's, it's a girthy world we live in. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like I would have imagined that you would go find— an extra long fish and like somehow bring it with you, pretend to catch it. But instead they stuffed fish with lead weights and other fish fillets at an Ohio fishing tournament. They would have won $29,000, but it turned out that they cheated. And the Lake Erie walleye trail tournament director said he was suspicious when one team's fish weighed almost twice what they expected it would at the Cleveland championship weigh-in. Well, I can only speak to To Catch a Smuggler, a show I watch from every country. It's amazing. Like, there's now to like. Catch 20, a Smuggler. Yeah, no, it's one of those late night what? shows where it's different airports. And it's funny because they have like a Brazil version and like different countries that where they're with the airport staff that's catching people trying to, to smuggle drugs or, or illegal things in and out of the country. And every single episode, they're like, one of their main imports, cocaine. Like, so this is obviously everywhere. And I watched an episode where somebody was shipping crates of fish and they had cut the heads and they had put like these little vials of coke down the uh, cocaine into the fish all what? over the place. And that's how they caught, the the, the drug team caught these frozen mm. fish and they had to break the fish apart and remove the cocaine for hours. And it, it was it was really quite fascinating. So to find out somebody stuffed the inside of a fish, I was like, oh, this is what this is what drug smugglers do. I, I'm an expert on this, apparently. You apparently are. The expert. things I watch at three in the morning are really huh? problematic. Yeah, so we got the chess scandal. <laughs> We got the fishing scandal, but now is nothing holy. There is an Irish dancing scandal, major allegations of competition fixing involving teachers and judge. Allegedly, well, this isn't alleged. There is allegedly a prestigious global body that governs Irish dancing. I was unaware of that, but that, I guess, is a real true thing. But allegedly... The most successful and well-regarded Irish dance teachers in that uh, CLRG, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this thing, uh, have been accused of fixing competitions for their own students. So they've appointed a former court of appeal judge to oversee an investigation into the Irish dancing cheating. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. Oh, my God. That is a well-placed reference to Careless Whisper, which I appreciate. 
Uh, no, I mean, this, this is wild to me. Like, I, I can only imagine that I need a series on this, like Dance Moms. You know, I need Dance Moms, but this for the cheating Irish uh, jig uh, sort of things. I, I mean, just the concept that they're they're bribing the judges to win for what? I, I don't know, you know, but this this will feed into every conspiracy theorist the dance competition everywhere in the world. They'll be like, well, they did it in the Irish jig competition. They must be doing it in the ballet competitions as well. It, it, it's, it's wild to me, Sarah. I'm in love with all of this. Okay, so this brings me to a question, though. Uh, first of all, which of those are you most offended by? Cheating in chess, cheating in fishing, or cheating in dancing? I, I think cheating in dancing, because in the cheating in chess, like, there's at least still some strategery involved. In the cheating in fishing, there's some good old-fashioned cutting up fish and trying to get it done that way. Cheating in dancing, you're just paying off the judges. That's lazy. That's, that's right. you know, I the agree. mafia made that old school a long time ago. I need something more creative than that. And the dancing is also frustrating because it's, a, a, a in theory, it's subjective. It's, so right. it reminds me of scandals at the highest levels and things like figure skating or gymnastics where, like, you know, they always joke about the Russian judge. No mm-hmm. offense to Russian people out there, but that is the go-to line uh, where it's like everybody knows what's happening, but technically they're allowed to make whatever score they want for the artistic skate or whatever it is. Um, and so I don't like that. Some hardworking Irish dancers may have been denied their due. Uh, I have to ask you, Fitz, because you were very up to date on to catch a smuggler mm-hmm. and various ways to cheat, lie, yes. steal, etc., uh, do you have a good cheating story? Uh, well, I've got several. I mean, uh, oh, no shock to anybody do. on this show. Why? One of us, oh. the ultimate cheater. One of us, not. I. No, my high school. Uh, one of my high school uh, algebra teachers was a big classical music fan, so I would go up to talk to him about like music in general, and he would get so mesmerized in the conversation. He wasn't very good at paying attention, and I knew where he kept the answer grid for the test the next day. So I just go sit on the corner of his desk and talk to him, you know, for a while while I just. Dip, 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 and move that that test until I could get the answer grid to where I could take it and then uh, copy down the answers during class and then bam have them for the next day. So yeah, That's, I was I was a I was a, a very clever cheater. Not to mention, oh, I had one one racket I ran when I was working at a place that sold pizzas, uh, pizza pizza places. And uh, this wasn't really cheating, but I cheated the company. They didn't count the uh, they counted the cardboard at the end of the night to account uh, for their pizzas, not the actual pizzas themselves, the way they packaged them. I was a delivery boy, so we just stopped putting them on cardboard and instead putting them in the bag. That way, I could take all the money from the deliveries. Oh, Fitz, I ran a racket. Let me tell that's, you, that's not just cheating. That's theft. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. just full on uh, yeah. theft. You know Devin, I- Devin, are you a cheater and a thief as well? Uh, one time in sixth grade, uh, spelling bee, I, uh, me and a, another girl in my class, we got caught. She decided to eat the, the, the test and, you know, she got caught and she got a zero. I owned up to it. I got a 50. So moral of the story, if you're going to cheat, own up don't, to it. Lame. Don't, don't eat it. Just just spit it out. Deny ah. it all. Deny it all. Uh, I never cheated because I'm a tremendous kisser. Shocking. <laughs> Coming up, what QBs can we trust in the NFL? We'll get into it next. Also, we want to hear your cheating scandals. We'll put it on social. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet us, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Give us your best, uh, you know, how you, how you cheated uh, stories, because that's what we're doing uh, in honor of some of the weird cheating stories we've been talking about today. We'll get back to that in a little bit. But uh, we want to get into some football now with one of our favorites, our buddy Jason Reed. You can read him on Anscape Senior Writer there. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN, And, of course, check out uh, the, the author of the book, Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America, which is great stuff. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But, Jason, you contributed to a piece on ESPN.com. You talked about quarterbacks in the NFL right now. You were asked which quarterback breakout you're most sure of. The answer was Jalen Hurts. What's impressed you the most about Hertz so far this year? 
Oh, I mean, it's you know, so many different things. You look at where he at, where is he, where he's at, excuse me, in terms of his confidence. I mean, you, you, you see that he has command of that offense. He knows what he's doing. He's decisive. He has weapons on the outside. I mean, he's got great receivers now. And when you look at that team defensively, the way they're going to get after it all season, I just think if, if they have health, you know, relative health in the NFL, obviously, I just see that he's just going to keep getting better and this team is going to keep getting better around him. You had an interesting conversation earlier today, I think it was with Barton Hahn, about whether we've seen enough for him to know that he would be a good or great quarterback despite not having as many weapons. That's always an interesting one in this league because once those young quarterbacks get paid a big bunch, often there's not enough money left to go around to the weapons. What we're seeing right now is that Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback with a lot of weapons. Do you believe we need to see more from him this season to think that they could succeed even if they can't pay all those guys? Oh, yes, yeah, Sarah. I mean, without a doubt. I, you know, the, the point I was trying to make, um, you know, with the guys earlier was that, look, I, what we are seeing from him, him is clear development. Now, you know, I, I related it to that situation in Seattle when Russell Wilson was a young quarterback, you know, wasn't highly drafted. They had all that money because he hadn't eaten up such a huge chunk of the cap yet. Once they had to start paying him, things became different. So, yeah, Jalen still has to continue to prove that the Eagles are right about him. I think he will do that because he does have very good receivers. He is confident. He knows this offense. And he's worked his butt off. And I think that, you know, when people were criticizing him and saying that he couldn't be an NFL quarterback, I don't think many of them understood how hard this guy works. I mean, from talking to people who know him really well, from talking to people who've worked with him, like it burns within this guy to be great. So I'm still buying that he is who I think he is. And now will he be a guy who can be, you know, a force multiplier and cover up a lot of mistakes when they have to start paying him? That we still need to see, but I think he's on a good on a good pace to prove that as well. Well, let me tie it back to your book. Uh, again, Jason Reed joining us, and he's the author, Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. Uh, how differently is Jalen Hurts being judged right now than, let's say, some of his predecessors that were also black quarterbacks trying to make it? Oh, I, I mean, totally, my man. You know, it, it's – you know, I've tried to make it clear in like everything I've done around the book that there has never been a better time to be a black man in the NFL who plays quarterback. You, you, you know, these guys have some of the biggest contracts in the history of the game. They are the faces of their teams. They are, you know, organizations are built around them. And Jalen Hurts, you know, this was 20, 30 years ago. It would be a much different situation. I mean, Jalen Hurts is in a great situation in part because he stands on the shoulders of all the people who came before him who had to deal with the things that, you know, were unfair. I mean, right now in this game, Jalen Hurts has a chance to be evaluated as Jalen Hurts, not as someone who is part of a, of a, of a subset in, in American life. And I think that's one of the best things. He's being judged, judged as, as an individual, as is Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and uh, Dak Prescott. So, yeah, the progress has definitely been made, and you see it in a guy like Jalen Hurts. Jason Reed's the author of Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. And you came on before the season started and reacted to some interesting anonymous quotes about Patrick Mahomes and how, you know, defensive shifts can be confusing to him and the way he plays is deeply affected. What have you seen so far from uh, from that guy who's very clearly tripped up by uh, different defensive looks? <laughs> yeah, you know, sir, I mean, I, I remember we talked about this before the season. And, you know, it, there were those anonymous quotes in The Athletic uh, in, in the quarterback tier story, and it, 
and it basically said about him that, you know, he has to run around and play street ball. Uh, the inference was he can't really read defenses that well. And, you know, yeah, the, 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 the anonymous uh, defense coordinator said he loved him, but, you know, he plays street ball, and when, he, and when he has to play street ball, they don't win. And the thing that just struck me about it was in the history of the Super Bowl era, there's only, there, there only one quarterback who had a better record through 50 starts than Patrick Mahomes, and that was Ken Stable of the Hall of Famer. And it was, I mean, you, you're talking about just a few games, and so the quote didn't make any sense to me. But you look at him now, like Patrick Mahomes has evolved. You know, he was this guy who, when he came into the league in his second year and he took over the Chiefs' offense, you know, 50 touchdown passes, you know, 50-yard strikes left and right. And that had to change because the league changed the way they played the Chiefs with him and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and he's had to become more patient. And, you know, if people really study it and look at it, this Chiefs' offense is completely different than what the, the team that he came into the league with. It, it's now a team that can run the ball. You know, they rushed for almost 200 yards against the Buccaneers the other night. They've got a, a, a massive physical offensive line. They've made some great moves in the draft. And, and now you look at this team, yeah, they don't have Tyreek Hill. He, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be throwing 50- and 60-yard touchdowns multiple times a game, but they're going to move the ball and they're going to score points. And I see a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame, even though he's had to change the way he had to play. We're talking to Jason Reed. And, and Jason, uh, on ESPN.com, in that feature I mentioned earlier, you were asked about quarterbacks with a start that concerns you the most. You said Brady. We're very cautious on this show about writing off Tom Brady at any point because we're always wrong about it. Is it okay at this point to start questioning whether there's anything left in the tank? Well, well, since I, I think they might have cut it out of my section here, but I started off by saying, you know, it, it's blasphemous to, to question the goat, okay? And, and I understand that. And, 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 he, and he has been written off. You know, I remember years ago watching a Monday night football game when he was in New England, and they were saying, oh, you know, is this the end of Tom Brady? And he wanted to win, like, like three more Super Bowls. So, no, I, 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 the whole point of that, part, uh, that article on ESPN.com was my, my biggest guy I worried about was Carson Wentz. But I do think when you look at Tom Brady, and it's almost unfair for me to do this, but I'm looking at Tom Brady based on Tom Brady, okay? For just any other quarterback, no, I wouldn't have included him in that list, you know, for me. But when I look at a guy who has done what he's done over his career, and he is 45 now. You know, we've been saying for years, well, he is 39, he is 40, he is 40. But he is 45. You know, everybody knows that he didn't have a lot of time, you know, in, in the preseason uh, because he was dealing with some issues. And now you have a situation where he has not looked phenomenal, okay? I mean, he hasn't looked like Tom Brady. Now, he did pass for 385 yards and three touchdowns against the Chiefs, I think that was a little fool's goal because they couldn't run the ball against the Chiefs. They had like minus three yards rushing, and it was still a 10-point defeat even though he did all that. So I don't think he is the Tom Brady that we've seen before. Now, should he be that guy at 45? Maybe not, but I do think he's not the same player who we have come to know as the GOAT. Jason Reed is with us here on Spain and Fitz. You can find his work on Andscape and follow him at ESPN. It's easy for us to look at teams that are successful and look at the quarterback play and say, yeah, we see the correlation there. Is there a quarterback you've been watching this year where maybe the team isn't very good or the play calling's bad or the weapons aren't great, but you think, oh, I see something in there, maybe one we're not paying as much attention to? Oh, that, 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 that's a tough one because, you, like you said, really, it, it, you look at it and it really breaks down around 
okay, are, do they have good quarterback play or they you know not have good quarterback play? I would say, you know, Trevor Lawrence is starting to show a lot. I mean, when you take a guy that high in the draft, obviously you're expecting him to show a lot. But the situation last year was chaotic. We all know that with Urban Meyer. But I look at him and I say to myself, there's enough that you already knew about him and that, you know, he has a real head coach now and that the talent is there that I would not be surprised by week eight, nine, or ten, we're, saying, we're all saying to ourselves, okay, this is really Trevor Lawrence, and they were right about him. You guys can follow him on Twitter at ESPN. Jason, as always, we appreciate you. Make sure to check out Rise of the Black Quarterback, what it means for America, wherever you get your books. It's a great work by you, as always, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Again, fo- follow Jason on Twitter at ESPN. Okay. We've been asking you for some of your best cheating stories in honor of cheating that's actually happening across the landscape of games. And uh, we're going to get some of those to you next uh, as we break down. I found out, Sarah, there's a bunch of degenerates that that listen to this show. I'm I'm in for every ounce of it. Yeah, we shouldn't be surprised at all. We'll get you some of your best responses next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Carrie Underwood singing us in because cheating scandals are everywhere right now. We got cheating in chess. We got cheating in fishing. We got cheating in Irish damn dancing. I mean, where are we, Sarah? If the world, like, if you can't get out there and and cut a rug uh, without having to worry about cheating, I don't know what we have. And the, the, that one, you know, my first thought when I saw that there was cheating was like maybe they were finding a way to mic something up on the stage to make it sound like their feet were doing something it wasn't. But it turns out, no, they were just paying off <laughs> You judges. thought it was like, is, is Irish dance as much about the sound as tap dancing is? I think I mean, it's part of it. But I don't think the number of sounds you make or clicks on the floor would be the thing you're cheating on. Well, I mean, the clicks, like the, the sound is part of what like makes you figure out if everybody's together, right? Because it creates Fair. this like, like this clogging sort of, you know, moment, right? You know, so I that, that was my first thought was like they were pumping in sound and maybe putting soft shoe down so that sounds like they're perfect together and they're that's how i would have cheated it but instead no they're paying off judges which have us which has us asking everybody on social media uh your best cheating story and uh, scott on twitter said uh i changed a big grade on a test to avoid a butt whooping from mom mom whooped some butt when she uh, but when she never found out i don't understand why mom still whooped the butt but uh-huh. I, I did i definitely did that on some progress reports in my life where i was like oh i'm gonna change that grade a little bit like during my middle school years there was definitely some grade changing and nothing like that for you though sarah right fitz you know yeah. what i love you so much and you're a really smart guy <laughs> i'm just starting to wonder if all the stories you told us before the show and then later like, maybe you'd be a better reader if you had finished class instead nah. of cheating your way through it. Nah. Like, maybe, maybe, no? No. All right. I mean, that, uh, this one made me sad. This person, I want to be B. Parks. In high school, I didn't do a very important AP government assignment, so I just reached into the stack, took someone else's, and replaced their cover sheet with mine. Never got caught. So not only are you cheating, but you're ruining somebody else's grade. This is this like, is great work. I just need no. to know if, if, if did it work. That's a real question. Like, what grade did, did I mean, like yeah, B parks? Caught, give but, me a follow did up you, here. Did you randomly select the smart kids one or? Um, at T Streets, I have a vague recollection of one of my football coaches having two players switch jerseys to get around a player's suspension. Oh, see, I like that, too. <laughs> that's very smart. Uh, Unless somebody knew, like, hey, that's the fast guy. That's the fast guy in a different number. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Richard said, back when Postmates just started, I used to sign up using fake emails and use my original referral code to get credit 
didn't pay for food for about two months. That reminds oh, me. Oh, like, so every time he acted like it was a referral yeah. to a new person signing up, and then t- that's that's kind of smart. I actually. mean, that's what, like uh, I used and, and, as a kid. I did the Columbia House thing where you like it was like buy ten CDs for a cent or whatever it was, right? But then what I would do is I would use a fake name and I would send them to all the neighbors' addresses. And while I was practicing, I would I would look for the mailman and I'd just like jog over to that mailbox real quick, see if my CDs were in there. When the CDs got in there, bam, go get the CDs. That way, I didn't. they never came to my house, and I, I oh, that's how fits. I built up my, my how many CDs. Stories I just, you have? How many I, stories I'm also there? wondering, like, all of your stories involve, like, other people's jobs that they made a living off of and, like, presumably supported their family and... You don't, you, you don't seem to care at all. I mean, Columbia House went out of business because it was a bad business model, right? Are you like, sure? I was basically Spotify before Spotify was a thing. I paid Fits. one cent and I got 10 CDs and later made my my living as a musician, right? Like, So I, I feel pretty good about it. I feel justified. I feel just I, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm sad that I work with you and I share air with you and think of all of the hardworking little Caesars franchise owners that you screwed over. I, you know what? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's pizza, 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 pizza could have been anywhere. I mean, pizza, pizza could have been from anywhere. And, um, and by the one, way, I, I will say, ahead. Sarah, this is why I always tell you, people that knew me as a kid are shocked by who I am now. I've, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm a decent in, individual now, sometimes. Um, This one I hate, Rage Against Twit. One time at Trivia, I faked a bathroom break to look up the answers. Second place, baby. First of all, that's embarrassing that you got second place cheating you gotta win if you're gonna cheat and and also trivia night it's so easy to cheat it's not fun if you cheat the whole point is to be like oh i should have known that or oh we suck let's drink more not I cheating should never be on your trivia team because i only want to win i only want to win what do you and, look at your phone under the table uh i didn't but that's what i'm gonna, like i'm a, i was stealing rage against twit's idea and where you're wrong is if you if you go to the bathroom a bunch and you win everybody's gonna know you're cheating if you go to the bathroom a bunch and you finish in second nobody's gonna presume you're cheating and that oh. way you get whatever the second place prize is which is still Round usually some sort of gift round, card. round of shots oh man i could use those right about now i'm just saying oh fits <laughs> i'm just i i'm not surprised that there are a lot of cheaters and liars among us i just i don't i i feel like also you haven't really mentioned anything specific to your youth in vegas and i i imagine that there's I mean, did you ever try this at casinos? That feels like a dangerous place to no, try no, no, this no. stuff. No, 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 no. I definitely, like, I grew up at some point and realized that there's too much leveraged risk, right? Like risk versus reward, you know. But I'll be honest with you. There's been some times as an adult I've looked at my shopping cart and thought, oh, maybe I can get out with this uh, this 12-pack well, of water. I don't know. Just it's thrilling. I, I don't anymore. I'm, I don't. I don't. I am on the up and up in all things. I would never now. But, you know, oh, I think about it every once in a while. <laughs> Living on the edge by <laughs> cheating other people out of their hard-earned uh, money and work. Uh, speaking of living on the edge, taking it to the man. That's what I'm, I'm taking it to the man. Okay, go ahead. I've sorry. I've got a I've got a stat for you that involves a man who will be living on the edge this and a weekend. cheater. Uh, you know, deflategate. Uh, deflategate. Potentially. Deflategate. Uh, I'm not gonna say that and get my menchies aflame. Uh, I trust me. I, I've mentioned Brady before on my Twitter, and it's not a good thing. Just stay away. I, I care about you. Okay. This is Jeff Darlington's tweet. Tom Brady this week will attempt to avoid his first three-game losing streak in 20 years. Brady has lost more than two games in a row only once in his career in 2002. Mm. Yeah. 
That's why that's why everybody accuses him of cheating, Sarah, because he's just better at everything. And uh, I can admit that. Like if he was if he was the quarterback of my favorite team, I'd love that stat. He's not, so I hate that stat. I mean, that is a level of continual success that is unfair. Like you knew that growing up as a Bulls fan. Like you know what that level of dominance feels like when you're watching it. I don't. I only know how to watch somebody else have that dominance, and it makes me very jealous. Well, I I think it's a pretty incredible statistic, and I do feel like Brady in so many ways, like the things that he's done so many times over, become it becomes rote, and you forget how impressive it is, all the different things he's done. I think what you talked to Jason Reed about is certainly interesting. Like, we're so gun-shy now about criticizing him or asking if it's over or ask if, if he's fallen off a cliff because we've done it so many times over, and we don't actually, you know... We don't actually believe what we're watching when he starts to struggle. And I don't yet. I certainly believe that with weapons back and more time to work that, you know, this offense might start to figure itself out. The defense might be good enough that they might make another run. And I also could believe that this is it. And he just isn't he isn't the guy anymore. I I think there's sort of this happy medium on part of the Brady conversation where I'm with you. I'm not sure that the Buccaneers are going to be any good offensively this year. I'm also not the person that's going to put that squarely on the shoulders of Brady. We live in a world now where more and more most quarterbacks need help around them at some level. And you've asked so much for Brady for forever. You know, we we judge the end of Manning's career with a little bit of like a, a laugh because they won a Super Bowl many joke in spite of mm. uh, of Peyton Manning because he wasn't playing pretty well, very well at this point. At that point, I should say. Uh, Brady's not at that that point. He's still a valuable contributor. They're just asking him to do all the heavy lifting without enough weapons around him. And by the way, for all of the sky is falling conversations around the Bucks, you're right. They're still totally in the thick of the playoffs uh, through the through the NFC this year. So like they may still end up winning their division. They may still end up being a very good team. And we're talking about them like they're fried simply because we expect nothing less than Super Bowls from Brady all the time. Yeah, I also am very curious, though, like if you took any number of other quarterbacks from around the league and put them in that Bucks position, what would it look like? Mm, And same goes for Tom Brady and other places. I think that can be really hard to tell in football. And so I need to see a little bit more to see what he's bringing to the table there and what you can blame on other things. Yeah, well, when we're in a world where Cole Beasley comes out of retirement to play for two weeks, it just tells you that they're (laughs) desperate for whatever they can get at Tampa. Mm -hmm. And I think you make a great point about quarterbacks and the situations around them. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.